0: Hello. Today is Thursday, July 27, 2023. This is my Tell Me About Your Tech Job podcast and the Summer ITech 350 2023 Real World IT Seminar class. And today, we have Ellen, who is joining us, who is an Information Technology Manager Project Coordinator here at SIU in the AIS department and uh, I've known Ellen for a couple of years, never had a chance to talk to you about your job and your career path, and I'm really interested to hear because I looked at your formal schooling and it's not in technology, and we'll get there, we'll talk about (laughs) that, Um, but to start off with, do you want to just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you and what you like to do for fun?
1: Sure, my name is Ellen John, and um, I have had a very roundabout way into my technology jobs, as my resume shows. Um, I really love to do Tai Chi and scuba diving and uh, traveling.
0: Okay. And you're from Carbondale, correct?
1: Yeah, I've been in Carbondale since I was five. So I guess you'd have to call me a local.
0: Okay. And me since I was nine. (laughs) So I consider myself a local too. Um, You now, when you were in, in, When you were growing up were you interested in technology?
1: I was always interested in technology and my mom is a school teacher and she in Carbondale uh, and she ended up doing a program at the time where they would give um, teachers computers and teach them to use them and then the next year they would teach somebody else how to use that computer and they would get a new computer and these were Apple computers and so every year for most of like my middle school and high school, we got a brand new Apple computer into our house to play with. So that um, my mom would get trained on that one. And then she would spend the next year training it, training somebody else on that one. And she would get a new one. And that program really piqued my interest and my exposure to computers and technology.
0: So if we're talking about the, the old apples, are we talking like where in the world is Carmen San Diego?
1: Yes, very much. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Um, there's a lot of Pac-Man. Uh, I think we started with an Apple IIe um, and continued on for—I mean, I think she, probably ten or eleven years. She got new computers before she retired. So.
0: Cool. Um, my neighbors both my neighbors, when I was young, had those, I never had one. So when I got to go over to their house, it was like, a lot of times it was, hey, watch me type this stuff. And hey, watch me play Carmen San Diego. Um, and that was, that was cool. But it, you know, I think it maybe just uh, motivated me to get more into it, like five or six eight years later, when we finally got a computer. But man, I think I think Carmen San Diego is what instilled my lifelong love of geography, um, and I would still play that if it was some something I could I could have access to today. Although, I I found a website or, or something, and I was looking through some of the old Carmen San Diego, and, and there's a bunch of countries that don't exist anymore. You know, <laughs> things have changed quite a bit. They'd have to really re, redo that one. Um, and what's what school did your mom teach at?
1: She taught um, at District 95. She was a speech pathologist, so she was at several of their schools. She was oh, okay. at, um parish mostly, but I think she taught at all of them over the years. When I was in junior high, she was at Lincoln Junior High, which was not my favorite thing.
0: <laughs> and I hear you, uh, Lincoln Junior High alum myself. And, and I do remember their computer lab where some of that Oregon Trail stuff went on. Um, was, I got uh, in
1: trouble for chewing gum at the computer lab at Lincoln Junior High. Like,
0: I'll tell you what, it was easy to get in trouble at Lincoln Junior <laughs> High. <laughs> but in high school, did you? I, I I told this earlier that in high school we had keyboarding, and that was most of it. Uh, I think that they did a little bit of a basic class at Carbondale High School that I did, and and did you do you remember? Did I you don't have think any? I
1: took I I mean I took keyboarding as an early bird class, but Me I don't too. think I took any kind of computer class at the high school.
0: Okay. And yes, I remember I can still hear, you know, Mr. Blackstone giving us the the letters to type in my head. I can still hear that because <laughs> he'd be like A D G and you're just supposed to type along with him. I can hear it. Uh after high school you didn't study technology formally for your undergrad
1: no i got an english degree which my mother told me was ridiculous at the time but i absolutely love to read and so um and i love literature and i like writing which i do think comes back around to what i do today um but i went to loyola university in new orleans and my student job was in the switchboard and so I was like literally answering the phone and like plugging in the plugs on the switchboard um, as my student job.
0: That's old and school.
1: so it was old school, but it started that, um, you know, it was equipment, and it was plugging and unplugging cords. And it was, you know, understanding how I was making the connections that i I think, you know, in increased my interest and then when i graduated i had to find a job and i didn't know what to do and so i came home and ended up working at an isp and that it was um at the mall and i think it was like the local isp had just been bought out by earthlink and so we were at the mall like mostly taking calls to you know sign people up or cancel people or sometimes you know send it over to the tech support at that time i you know but it was it was a bonded t1 line it was fast yeah <laughs> at the time right and i was exciting to see like when i wasn't on a call like what i could do on the internet with a real stable internet connection and one of my coworkers said i'm in this masters degree at masscom at siu studying this, like new tech, like new media and telecommunications. And so he talked me into applying for my master's program.
0: That's pretty interesting. One, because I didn't realize that there was a telecommunications program, but two, uh, probably about the same timeframe, I was working at the Blue Chip Micro Cyber Systems computer store at the mall. Um, And I remember very specifically, you know, this would have been around 97 or 96. 97 98 something like that and we thought we were you know uh flying high because we had a an old we had we had a tech that worked there who was really really good at Linux and he was taking old Linux bo- machine he was taking machines putting Linux on it sticking two U.S robotics 56k modems together and then using two dial-up lines to bond those so we get 128. 28k i think um and that was awesome we were like we've got twice as much internet as anybody <laughs> else you know this um, was
1: 99 when earthlink was in the mall with their bonded t1 lines uh okay. this was this was 99.
0: So. okay that's pretty neat because um i think you know i think there's not a lot of people that uh that i i actually there's still a few people that i i'm in contact with who uh remember those old days and were around Carbondale because um just seeing what the the ISP landscape kind of looked like in those early days and these small businesses and how you know people started little service providers and they grew and they got bigger and then they got bought out and it's kind of neat to see some of that homegrown stuff um and now you know you've got like one choice or maybe two choices um depending on where you live but um, so that's that's cool I didn't realize that that you know we were both kind of in the technology realm about this time in in southern Illinois that's that's pretty neat um so the telecommunications program at SIU was it was a technical program
1: it was far more tech technical than one would expect um we were really doing I mean database driven websites we were doing um graphic design we were mo- doing a lot of, the studying of of how the ISPs are working, what the technology is being used, a lot of old radio like still looking very deeply at radio and technology um, and TV as like businesses.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: um, so it was it was a great program. It doesn't exist anymore. yeah um, but like this whole we studied a ton of like how media affects people. We did a lot of UI kind of research how people interact with like websites and software. I mean, it was a great program early. You know, I was there from 2000 to 2004. Most people do it faster, but you know, I had health insurance as long as I was enrolled. So I took all the classes they'd let me take. And I, uh, it was just such an optimistic time about what the internet and technology and media are gonna be able to do. For us as a society, so it was a great time i'm not sure we've lived up to the promise, but we had a lot of fun.
0: I hear you there. I hear there that's that's pretty cool. Um, And and last question reminiscing about the old days. Were you involved in any of the the local uh, Southern Illinois bulletin boards uh, back in the days?
1: I wasn't really. I right. what I did do during my master's program was I ran um, two computer labs. I um, there was a global studies for mass computer lab that I had a student internship with, and then there was a Library of Congress grant for primary sources over in the education department, and I worked in their computer lab. And we at the time had, you know, brand new whiteboards, and we had. Um, Laptops, we had both Windows and Mac laptops and, and instructors could sign up for which of the two they wanted. And so it was my job to switch back and forth, like the laptops with the monitors and the keyboards, depending on what class was coming in. Oh, um,
0: that's got to be
1: obtained. <laughs> it was so much time was spent on printers, as always. Um, but just as far as like so much practical experience doing technology work came from those those jobs.
0: That's cool. I worked at the, what was, I guess now is Saluki Tech, it was just the support (laughs) center back in 99, 2000, um, helping to do that. And I was one, I was, I I took over for Duke uh, when he left and I became the Mac guy for the university help desk. Um, So that was, yeah, fun, fun times. It was a neat place. And and one thing that a lot of people probably would be, you know, shocked to, to hear, but, SIU used to offer completely free anonymous dial-up internet access um, back in the day. I, I remember that probably 94, 5, 6, something like that. Um, before the ISPs, you could install this little dialer application on your phone and, and you'd get access to the internet. Mostly it was like Gopher um, and stuff like that. But, um, but that was a pretty cool service for SIU to have available. And I remember part of the job um, that as, and the help desk was resetting modems, um, from their modem pool dialer. Um, when, when, uh, when they would get hung up and sit there for 24 hours without being disconnected. But anyway, I'm supposed to be interviewed (laughs) for this podcast by one of my former students next week. So I'll share all this stuff next week and I'll shut up and, and we'll, we'll hear from you. Um, so, you have had quite a few different roles in technology um going back to like uh, you just told us about working in this the the different labs uh, working for DXR another local success do you want to say anything about that
1: um DXR at the time was doing um we were making website, well, flash driven content for nurses, so they would come in and basically do like a virtual exam on a virtual patient. And we were using um, text files and flash to, you know, they would click on various body parts, and it would pop up little um, in like, uh, no notes on how the patient was doing when you performed that exam, and then you would get a little test on it. Um, And so it was, um, you know, I learned how to test on various browsers using, um, you know, does my software work on Firefox? Does it work on all these different? I can't even remember which browsers were valid at that point. We, we've we had so many changes. escape Yeah, we were, right? And Explorer and was, I, yeah, I think we were testing Mosaic. There was definitely Explorer. And so, um, and then we were working on changing those over to be database driven um files and then the project was um eliminated and so was my job (laughs) As mm. as goes in technology, um, but I did. That was my first experience with like using SQL insert statements to try and load databases, and a lot of testing, um, a lot of quality control. Like when you click here, do you get what you expect? Um, kind of, and that was a it was a year where I learned a lot that year. Um, before they eliminated that particular project at DXR and and laid everybody off.
0: That's, you know, that's, that's sad to hear. I've been laid off a few times (laughs) as well. Um, I actually worked for DXR in high school for about a year. And so I can picture the clicking with like the, the, the stethoscope and then putting it on them. And if you put it on their elbow, it'd be like (laughs) nothing to show here or something, you know, and yeah, absolutely. Patients heart rate is normal, you know, and, and I remember that. And I remember doing the clicking of the buttons and making sure things didn't pop up in the wrong spots. So that's, that's 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 neat, um, neat to remember, and cool that they're uh, still around.
1: I'm gonna take you down a small aside here then. Um, they signed up to do a um, conference in Spain to show basically this software, but in Spanish for a neurological exam at this conference, but we, none of us spoke Spanish. (laughs) And so we were trying to like translate it all into Spanish um, correctly, which we were not doing well. And then at the end of every day, we would have to send over this giant file over the T1 line to Spain. And like, we would have to babysit it because if it would, if it, failed you had to start it again cuz the next morning they were going to expect to be able to test what we had changed and so hours and hours of just watching like the upload button uh-huh if the file actually made it to spain so that they could tell us we don't know spanish
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and today you'd just use open ai chat gpt and mm-hmm. google translate to do it all
1: and it would have done it correctly <laughs> or at least better than we were doing it
0: yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, another local success story in technology that people probably don't know a lot about is Gooden Associates. Tell uh, us about that.
1: Gooden Associates writes Illinois court software um, for Illinois circuit clerks. And they have like 80 of the 102 counties in Illinois, mostly the small counties. Like they really focused on giving a software solution to the small counties that couldn't afford the big, um, name brand kind of behemoths that are out there. And so um, Tom Gooden started it at Jackson County um, courthouse back in maybe 1980. And he wrote JIMS, which is judicial information systems. And then it has grown over the years. And now they have um, Judici, which is a website that does Illinois court data. And I'm actually, my husband is actually the person who wrote Judici, um, starting in early, like, and he's still, um, he's still doing that. And so I worked there for five years. Um, I was doing their prosecutor pro Project mostly, which is prosecutor software to to write charging documents and track um, where you're at in various court cases. But so we did a lot of integration where the probation department, the prosecutor department, the circuit clerk, and the judges all had to talk to one another through an inbox. And so you know a lot of XML files to to hold the data, um, a lot of statuses um, to keep every Body informed of what everybody else was doing. One of the main things that I did while I was there was, um, we became, we got permission from the state of Illinois to allow people to pay and plea on their um, traffic cases, and so we became a PCI level one payment gateway, oh, so okay. that we could, um, and that was an enormous amount of security and documentation. It was a huge project to get approved as a, a level 1 payment gateway so that people could go in and plead guilty and pay their traffic ticket.
0: And so this was uh this was 2005 6789 some, somewhere in that mm-hmm. time frame. So that was a you know that was new territory for was. Uh, for a company I'm sure to to go in and 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 also pretty ambitious I'd say to to say hey we're going to start taking credit cards and we're going to make things better for those who get traffic tickets, right?
1: And convincing the state that they wanted to do it. Cause I mean, it was not allowed across the entire state. And so, you know, getting getting that approval to, to move forward with the project. And then, um, and now, you know, it isn't, they're making a lot of money. <laughs> like it has been very lucrative for, and it's been great for the courts because they have so much less, um, administrative overhead really could, because it is shared across all of these various counties to, to let people do that. And now they don't just pay on traffic tickets, but they can pay court fines and various fees. And um, and they're no longer a PCI level one payment gateway. They have offloaded all the credit card processing to third-party processors, because that reduces their expenses as far, at Judy's, at Gooden, as far as, um, staying pci compliant they they mostly let a third party do that for them now
0: and it and it makes sense because that third party probably does that you know as their main deal and they are in it day in and day out and less one less stress to have to worry about at at Gooden. um that's pretty cool so with the credit card thing was was illinois kind of leading or were other states doing this or do you remember or no
1: i don't remember i we're the Gooden is so completely Illinois focused okay originally there was um, a, a, and this is there was a place in Indiana that was working together with Tom originally and they but they split off a long time ago and so Indiana I think was doing very similar things as far as getting court data online but I don't know how, where they were ahead or behind as far as paying online
0: cool. Um, So the technology you were using and were working with, you said SQL, XML, um, before that you'd been doing some, you said database integrated web stuff. Um, So you've kind of been in this developer application space for a while um, and you've got a couple of cool roles um, with Carbondale uh, educational institutions district uh district 95 and then the regional office of education um doing similar types of things some some project management you want to talk about let's see maybe your first role as director of technology with carbondale elementary (coughs) school district 95.
1: well and i didn't i did not end up there directly as director of technology um at first i i took a job on a grant doing Support, desktop support and I got that job because I'm, I'm a Mac admin and District 95 <clears throat> is a Mac institution. And I had had so much fundamental experience with Macs that most people just don't get. And so um, I took the job and I was there until the grant ended and then they hired me on to do continue doing desktop support for the um, the district and then my boss left.
0: Oh, and, okay. and so
1: I was by default <laughs> the technology director they did eventually give me the title and the job um but it was one of those like it, as as so often happened to me in here um where she was just gone and so somebody had to do it and um we had I mean I think by the time I left there were 1200 devices over 200 of them were max in five buildings I was managing um the servers, I was managing the telecom, I was managing all of the labs, I was doing all of the second line support, there were librarians in each of the schools, but if they couldn't fix it, they called me. Um, And I learned so much there as well as far as you know, how to set up a server, how to handle a switch how to, you know, make sure that I don't have an ethernet loop. Um, But it was a very different kind of work from what I had been doing at DXR mm-hmm. and what I had been doing at Gooden. Um, but there were, we were getting um, like E-rate grants to put in commercial Wi-Fi because up until then, like for some of the buildings had none. Some of the buildings had, you know, little like D-link wireless routers but um so we got a big um, grant from e-rate which does um libraries and schools for com- and we were able to put in fiber optics and enterprise wireless and overseeing that project with getting the rfps and the bids and the installation um, was a big project management um, project even though the work i was doing had changed significantly from what i was doing at good
0: So you, you had your hands in the technology, you were responsible for fixing things when others couldn't, you had a, did you have a staff besides the the technology kind of experts at the the schools? I did not. Okay. And so when something couldn't be fixed, it was on you.
1: Yes. And so, you know, you became, you you look very differently at that message that says um, please contact your system administrator because <laughs> <laughs> when you're the system administrator there's nobody to contact um, and you really just have to you know be able to dig in and and read the literature and try and follow some instructions even if you don't understand them right like and until you get a working project and I used something called Monkey. At that time, there's a, a man um, whose name eludes me now, but he worked for Disney and he was managing a huge number of Macs. And so he wrote this free software called Monkey M-U-N-K-I, but it allowed you to like um do send out updates and, and image machines and do all sorts of Mac administration for free. Like it was open source software. And so that was probably my most fun project. At District ninety five was really getting the server that was running Monkey that would make sure that you know when they logged in in the morning they had the right printers and that they had the updated OS and that if they needed a new version of Adobe it would push it out. It was just really um, phenomenal open source software. So that was that was a fun fun project for me.
0: That's pretty awesome. Um, you know since since working you know at SIU and and our program and I. Information technology and, and ISAT before that, we've never really had Macs. I mean, I've got like two or three old Macs that were donated about four or five years ago, and they can't even be updated to the most recent operating system. So um, that that's an area that I I've never heard of, monkey, and I've never done any large scale Mac uh, Mac administration across networks. So that's 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 new to me. And I'm going to look up monkey. Cause that sounds like a cool tool. Um, and honestly,
1: I don't even know if it's like currently being supported. Um, yeah.
0: I probably bought out and made into something different. <laughs> oh no! Maybe.
1: Look, it's still there. Still there. Okay. Um, just, but yeah, so, and then I, um, it got to be too much. I, I was carrying a work cell phone that was blowing up 24, seven, uh, 365 days a year. <laughs> and, um they wouldn't hire me any staff and they didn't think i needed staff so you were
0: doing a good job because i was making
1: it look making it look like it worked um and so eventually i ended up jumping ship to the regional office of education to work on a grant for school bullying i was um it was a part time job, I just had a baby and was not interested in like my youngest daughter I had just had her and I, I didn't want to be overextended anymore. And it was a part time position and so I jumped at the chance and I was doing Qualtrics surveys and websites and also doing desktop support for they had windows and. Um, Macs over there, and so I was supporting those um, and I was there for about a year, but then it became clear that um, my grant was going to end. And that they weren't sure if they were going to be able to afford me. And I, on an absolute lark, applied for AIS at SIU because they had put Higher Touch online and I wanted to see how the online hiring system worked because I really like processes and software. Um, and six months passed and I had completely forgotten when they called me and, and offered to interview me for the job. And I didn't even know what AIS was or what they did.
0: And now you're an AIS <laughs> technology manager. Uh, yes, I am. So, I I think one thing to 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 mention, you know, a lot of times in education, at SIU as well, grants are received, and those grants are for a year or two years or three years, and sometimes the money is to hire somebody to do a job, and sometimes those grants don't, you know, get renewed, and so that's you know that that happens. That's part of working in, in academia or education or, or nonprofits, any place where they give out grants and and, and people are hired based on that. Um, so tell us what AIS is.
1: AIS is administrative information systems and it's a department at SIU that handles um, our Oracle EBS eBusiness Suite, which is an enterprise resource planning software it is really the heartbeat of what's going on at siu from an accounting perspective from an hr payroll perspective from a purchasing perspective Um, it does cash management and so we are doing the accounting and financials for the entire university system not just for um, siu carbondale and so we have um we are accounting for a budget of 956 million dollars in 2023 and all of it is being accounted for through this erp this er uh enterprise resource planning software
0: and and i saw that you had put that on there almost a billion dollars almost a billion that's a huge amount of money i mean although if you win the powerball this or or the mega millions either of them this week and last week you you know maybe not that big of a uh budget comparatively but um that's a reminder to get your ticket if you if you haven't already um so Oracle I remember when uh when I was working at SIU 99 they had a goal of getting Oracle running and I think I remember somebody had a shirt that said like online in 99 (laughs) and so the Oracle efforts have been around for a while um and like you said it's the heartbeat so much of siu people wouldn't realize uh runs on oracle um oracle is are they the the biggest in the erp space i mean sap's there
1: there are workday is really coming for them as for in the higher ed um department banner is making a real play which we have a Lucian banner for our sis system and they're really trying um they have They have software that a lot of that some higher eds are using that uh, approaches what Oracle can do. Or now we're we're using Oracle eBusiness Suite. It is end of life. Um, It was, as you mentioned, that it had been around for a few years when they went live. I don't think they made ninety nine. I think it was early two thousand before they actually got it live and up and running um, with the GLs and then the um HR payroll followed within the next couple years. But at this point, um, Oracle has announced they will no longer be supporting Oracle eBusiness Suite. They want you to move to Oracle Cloud, which is their um hosted uh s- service solution basically. It's it's no longer right now we have um software installed on servers running at SIU that are hosted here. Um, the new solutions that Oracle is providing really are um, online cloud-based kind of solutions. They announced um, that Oracle 12.1.3, which is what the university is on, would move into sustaining support in um, the January 1, 2022. And so we have been on sustaining support with Oracle for a couple of years, which means that um, we really have to get an upgrade done. And I am so happy to announce that SIU has signed the purchase order to bring Oracle uh, Consulting in so that they can assist us with getting to 12.2 um, in the past, every point release for the Oracle ERP has taken about 18 months of staff time. And that was when we had twice as many staff members. And so we have been unable to successfully upgrade on our own with the current resources that we have. Um, but we are moving forward to 12.2. Um, and once we get on to 12.2, they've announced they will continue support through 2033. So we are in a... Um, a crisis at one level to to get from 12.1.3 to uh 12.2.10 i think is where they're at now um and so we'll be focused on trying to get um, that done it's hard to describe the scope of Oracle eBusiness Suite, if you've never worked with an ERP in that kind of, I mean, there are thousands of tables, right? We have 20 years worth of data. Um, It is being used by the military, the United States military to do their accounting. It is a lot of um, places that do manufacturing use it and so there's a lot of functionality in it that we don't necessarily use but that means it is I mean it is a huge beast of a software and everything is date tracked in the database Right. Because, you know, my name was Ellen Mao and then I got married and it was Ellen Chart and then I got divorced and it was Ellen John and then I got remarried and it was Ellen John. Right. And so the database has to know that, you know, when I was an undergraduate student, I was Ellen Mao and then when I was a graduate student, I was Ellen Chart. And then when I got remarried, I'm now working under Ellen John. And so tracking all of those every position I've held at SIU over those 20 years, so working with date track tables has really been a it's a, a learning curve. We'll yeah, call it.
0: and I don't think I mean until somebody like sits down and it has to to work in this realm. I think the scope is probably really hard to grasp. Um, but uh, when you're talking about, you know, the the upgrade and going from, you know, like. If we think about Firefox, you get, you know, you, you open your computer one day and (laughs) Firefox is like, guess what? You're on version 167 now or something, right? And then tomorrow you're 168. And we're talking about going from 12.1 to 12.2. And, and you talk about 18 months of planning and prep. Um, And that's absolutely a huge responsibility and a huge effort that's, you know, required to, to make that happen. And is that 12.1 to 12.2, is that the, the underlying kind of core with the database um and 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 it runs on uh what what is our oracle we're running? on
1: linux red hat red hat and, okay um i know they've they're they're currently undertaking we we do have a like a, a systems and database team that i'm not on right That's i am li- actually yeah. in charge of the the software so um i think they're moving and this is where is it from red hat 8 to 9
0: that Sounds we're current right.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's what it is where, um, so we're moving all of our servers. Um, we are on, um, the latest supported Oracle database version. And then the biggest difference between Oracle 12.1.3 that we're on now and 12.2 is that it, um, it, it will no longer ever require another major point upgrade they have under they have redone the underlying technology to do like smaller pieces of upgrades and so this that once you get to 12.2 that's the end for i mean for the product of and they will continue to do like small point like small fixes but there will never be required a large technology upgrade um after after this one at least that's what they're saying um but they are also saying like this project product is end of life um what do you want to do next and so the university has become begun the conversation of what new erp um are we going to select and and implement but we're looking at probably um 100 million dollar project 10 million dollars a year for 10 years is a estimate of what that's going to take Um, and so the university is really going to have to come together and do some governance and some planning and some you know project management in order to succeed at getting at getting that done
0: because the it's not just a technology I mean SIU you you've got um legal aspects that are involved as well with FERPA and PCI I guess you guys probably do some PCI I know in certain parts of SIU they do
1: certain uh-huh. parts do but we don't we don't we take don't. credit cards actually um the bursar's office is the only place that's doing credit card payments and there's a, a third-party integration and i think that's okay. part of why it takes so long is we have all the integrations for the campus are basically customized into our erp and then we use move it to transfer files and you know there was a, a move it breach recently. yeah, And we had to go through an audit. And I mean, I think we have 135 files coming in and out regularly. And we have dat files, we have XML files, we have um, CSV files, you know, we have almost because everybody we talk to needs a different file type. And so we're supporting so many different um integrations in and integrations out and I think that's a huge part of we have to you know after we do this upgrade we have to go make sure that all of those integrations continue to work
0: and and that might be uh, maybe maybe different than if it than, than how Oracle may be in a in a private uh, organization.
1: um I mean I think private organizations are going to have a lot of the same kind of problems, but we have a lot of integrations with like SIS, the student information system. We have a lot of integrations with CMS, which is the central management system for the state, because they actually provide the benefits. So, and SERS, which is the state retirement system. And so we're sending a lot of files back and forth to CMS and to SERS and to various organizations that are state driven that yeah, private institutions wouldn't have to do. Gotcha. And I think another part of this is, we were actually fairly early in the, in installing Oracle eBusiness suite, as far as for higher ed, Goes And so we wrote a lot of custom code for things that are later supported by Oracle in their seated functionality, but okay. we had already written ours. <laughs> and so we have a lot of, you know, I mean, 20 some years of custom code where we're taking data out of the Oracle seated tables and then reporting off of it to CMS and sirs and, um, out of out of our custom tables so we're taking the data out of the the seated tables we're making copies into our custom tables and then we're doing all of our reporting off that custom code and so we have to make sure that all of that custom code continues to work in order to support all of these integrations.
0: And that's probably something that people may not get I mean we talked about Oracle and Oracle can do so much and it has so many different capabilities and different modules and components that you can buy, but it can't do, you know, Oracle has never had to write a or develop a, a an, an app that will take a state of Illinois University's data and then move it up and share it with a state of Illinois management or state of Illinois retirement services systems to integrate. That's not something that Oracle has to do. So it has to be developed. And that's the case across Oracle implementations all over the place you know they're they're really good at building you the stuff that's commonplace across lots of organizations and even specific within its industries because where I came from before SIU they used it and it was manufacturing they've got a lot for manufacturing cost and finance for manufacturing and inventory and stuff but when you've got this employer or, or, or this manufacturer and this supplier or this customer things have to be done custom and and so that's what you're talking about 20 years of custom stuff (laughs) <laughs> that's been written that allows SIU to do its job allows me to hop on and see you know my my payroll or my benefit stuff uh, and 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 at work and we don't see and, and, and we don't appreciate probably all the hard work from you and the others to make that happen.
1: Well, and that's where um, my the fun part of my job is actually writing those custom things in Oracle Apex. And Apex is a, um, Application Express is what it stands for. And it is a low code declarative application builder that is inside Oracle database. And it has been a phenomenal tool. In fact, I mean, it's written by um, guys over at Oracle who are so much smarter than I will ever be. And they wrote it to use it themselves. So they are regularly developing it and making it better because they use it as part of their day-to-day jobs, but they've also made it available to write these custom processes. And it is a wonderful application developer. And I had this fight a lot when I first got here between the difference between a reporting tool and an application tool, because I not only need to give you data out, but I need to collect data. And that's where in Oracle Forms is this old technology that is cumbersome and very difficult, not only to to use as a user, but to develop in. Um, you're so limited. And so this Apex tool really writes like web driven declarative code so that I can go in and say, I want a list of values and do- drop in my SQL and I I get the list of values and when they do an upgrade, I don't have to worry about whether or not my list of values is still going to work because it's, you know, they're in charge of making sure all that backwards compatibility is maintained. And so we have done a lot of things in the last five years for SIU using um, application express or apex. And that isn't just an awesome tool for people who they want to be able to solve, a procedural or a process problem, but they're not necessarily the type of developer who wants to like bring up Java and start instantiating their libraries. And like, that's the kind of work my husband does. And I don't love that, but I, I can still you. write a tool that does a thing that solves a business process, you know, without having to be that level of programmer and developer.
0: And ultimately the technology we use is to solve business problems. And that's my job and their and their tools. That's pretty neat you have shed a lot of light on some things that I had no idea about with the university and and uh, HR uh, HR payroll AIS all all these terms that I've been hearing for years and knew what they were but not exactly how they all fit. Um, Let's talk before we wrap up. You have a certification. You've got some some letters that you can put next to your name. PMP. Tell us what that is. What was the process like to get that certification? Because, you know, project management is an area that a lot of students are interested in getting into when they graduate.
1: Um, Yeah, PMP stands for Project Management Professional, and um, it is done by the PMI. The Project Management Institute is who um, supports and maintains it. Um, you have to have three years of project management experience before you're allowed to sit for the PMP. They do have some smaller certifications, but, um, and it doesn't have, to, you don't have to have been managing the entire project, but some portion of the project that you managed over time. And so, one, and you fill out a spreadsheet that shows that you have those three hours of project management, at which point you're allowed to um, sign up um to be a member and they give you the the um the lesson materials the the here the PMP um documentation and and this is what you need to know um you have to do 40 hours of um training so i sat for mine using a plural site license that the information technology was providing Um, But so like some sort of classroom experience, um, and you've got to document all of those hours to prove that you've got your 40. And then once you've completed your 40 hours of um, professional development, I think is the term they use, you have a year to sit for the exam. And then um, it is the hardest exam I've ever taken. It is really complex. I learned a lot about how to think about project management and the pieces of project management during the process of getting my PMP. Um, But it it is a difficult exam, and you really do want to have several years of real experience under your belt before you try and take it.
0: And it's it's one that has a lot of respect behind it, um, and I think because it has you know you you can't just watch youtube videos for a week and take the exam <laughs> no you cannot um like like i when i when i did the cissp you've got to show i think it was 5 years of work experience and you had to get two people i think to vouch for you and you know and 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 so there's some you know there's there's more to it behind it than just a paper that you get when you when you when you take the exam um so that's that's congratulations uh and, and what what does that role or what does that kind of project management, are are there specific project management methodologies or tools that you use when working with SIU? Oh,
1: I wish we were doing it right. <clears throat> um, <laughs> I wish we were doing it right. But um, one of the reasons that I went out and got the certification was because we have a project management office, but the people who are in charge of the project management office really don't understand and the complexities or the scope of what AIS and ERPs are and i wanted to be able to say look i've got it handled <laughs> i can manage my own p- projects um but we are not like yes there are methodologies but we are not necessarily using them as um as appropriately as would be really nice. But I mean, part of that is we are so fundamentally understaffed. Like we are, SIU is down um, 55% in civil service and AP staff since 2018. 55% have been let go and not rehired. And so across the campuses, almost everybody is trying to do a lot more with a lot less staff. And there are so many things that fall through the cracks Um, when people are trying to do that many things and wear that many hats at once, you know, I mean, we used to have people who it was their job to like read our log files and watch all of our like traffic and just, you know, I mean, they had the time in which to watch these things that now, um, everybody's punting everybody's punting to try and and get what has to be done done right you have to prioritize and the things that don't appear to be a huge priority today are not necessarily getting done
0: I've seen it it's the truth you know I've I've been here I I got a a letter reminding me that this year is my 16th year um and and I got hired in in 2008 and things were great in 2008 and <laughs> you know i've i've been around i've watched how this has happened and it's kind of kind of deflating at times um but thankfully you know I, I i i love what i do and i like the people and i like the mission of the university and so we we just continue to do what we can as best as we can with what we've got i guess
1: and and that is you know everybody is fighting the good fight as best they can um, and, you know, we will be focusing now on trying to get the university to 12.2 so that when, um, because our support ends on January 31st of 2025, um, Oracle will no longer support 12.1.3 completely. And so we are trying to make sure that the university can account um, as we move into 2025.
0: That's an important thing, right? Got to keep track of that billion dollar budget.
1: Uh, right. And we are <laughs> a university um, system. AIS supports Edwardsville and School of Med too. We are one of the only Carbondale campus departments that is supporting all three um, systems.
0: Neat. All right. A couple of last questions, fun questions. But first, uh, do you have any advice for students who are preparing to enter the tech career field?
1: I mean, I think do what's interesting to you. Try and solve a problem. Like if you see a particular process or procedure that people are struggling with, like that's a great place to really pay attention and see if you can can provide a solution that, that makes things better. Um, but I think it's so much more fun if what you're trying to solve is something that interests you or affects you in some particular way.
0: And we just talked to a student, Taha, last week who talked about how his father had a a, a, a in his work would have to take i think he said 3 hours a week just walking from one place to another to give somebody a physical piece of paper and he wrote some some scripts or something to where it would do it via text or email and include a voice message from his dad you know that no no longer has to get up and walk all the way you know several football fields in order to do this manual process and and he talked about how much joy that provided him being able to help his dad so i I think I think that's a great piece of advice. All right, so the fun questions. What's your favorite kind of food or restaurant? Do you have anything that is your go-to that you really love?
1: I love to eat. I will eat anything that doesn't eat me first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I really probably Indian food is, is my favorite. Like they just have such an amazing uses of spices and flavors. Oh.
0: Around here, one in particular? Oh, no. Make
1: it at home. I mean, Bombayal is fine if you want an introduction, but it's not the best.
0: Gotcha. All right. Uh, Do you have any books, movies, TV shows, podcasts that you enjoy recently that you'd like to recommend?
1: Um, We're watching The Alchemy of Souls right now, which is uh, on Netflix. And it is a Korean drama set in, like, I don't know, uh, olden, olden times with mages in power. And yet it's very much a soap opera. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Okay, cool. Um, is there an area of technology that you are interested in learning more about personally or for work?
1: I mean, I am definitely interested in continuing to hone my project management skills, but really what I love doing is apex development. Like I, that is where like, I get my joy.
0: That speaks to that tool, you know, to have somebody say something like that. Um, that's pretty neat. And, and I think what you said about it being developed by the people who worked at Oracle to help them do their job better? That's, I mean, just a- and
1: your students can check it out. Actually, they have um, Oracle has a basically a playground for Apex where you can log in and get a free account and start looking at the developer tools and and make some really basic things. But if they're interested in seeing how that works, um, I will send you an email with a link to that um, okay. sandbox. Basically,
0: I'll put that up there. Thank you. Um, what would you like to be doing in five to 10 years?
1: Uh, Implementing a new ERP for SIU.
0: Okay, great answer. (laughs) (laughs) And if you could retire today, money's no object, do absolutely anything you want, what would you do?
1: I'm going to get on a sailboat and sail around the world.
0: Okay, now do you sail already?
1: Uh, We have a, a little Hobie cat. So in the smallest, smallest sense we sail. But I, I want to take my house with me and I want to see all the places and I love the water.
0: This is making me think step brothers. Um with the, the boat that, that that they that they're planning on on sailing around the world. Um we've got a we've got a um sunfish and a super porpoise. So oh, we, fun. We've been learning that my boys have, have picked that up. So I appreciate how 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 difficult sailing can be to understand and master awesome thank you very much for your time today ellen this has been really cool i really enjoyed getting to talk to you and learning about what you do and uh some of the things behind the scenes with with ais at siu
1: thank you tom it's been great